Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with lead strength and conditioning coach at the Glasgow Warriors, Stuart Yule. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Vald Performance, the team behind the Nordboard hamstring testing system. So the Nordboard is the fastest and easiest and most accurate way to measure hamstring strength in under 90 seconds. So the Nordboard gives the right information so you can make the right decisions for your players at the right time. So it's already in use by over half the Premier League uh, and dozens of other elite teams around the world. Uh, so the Nordboard testing system is the is on its way to becoming the gold standard for measuring and monitoring hamstring strength. So if you are interested in getting to know anything more about the Nordboard, you can visit Vald Performance, that's V-A-L-D performance.com to find out more. Thanks for tuning in to episode 81 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today we have Stuart Yule on the phone. So Really interesting chat with Stu, who I've wanted to get on for a while since I heard him on uh, Ron McKeefrey's podcast, um, probably, well, well over a year ago now. Um, so we, we, we kind of chat through uh, a number of different things. Uh, one really interesting thing for me was bridging the gap between those players that have played and those players that haven't, as well as sticking to the basics, which I think is a really interesting subject that Stu really goes into some some depth in high performance training for sports. Um, if you haven't read that already, uh, I'd, I'd recommend getting hold of that. Uh, as well as Olympic lifting for rugby, which is kind of a natural uh, topic for Stu, obviously being an ex-Olympic lifter. So it was a really interesting chat. Um, I'll let you get into the episode, but just before I let you get into it, uh, any feedback that you have with regards to this episode or past episodes, uh, please just uh, give me a shout on Twitter uh, or an email. So enjoy the chat with Stu uh, and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast. Um, We've got Stu Yule here with us tonight. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Stu. very much, Rob. Pleasure to be with you this evening. Good to have you, mate. So, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, do you want to give us a little bit of an intro on your background and uh, maybe education and what you're currently doing? Okay, yes. Um, I'm currently the head strength and conditioning coach at Glasgow Warriors, um, which this is my sixth season there. So, I've been involved in strength and conditioning really probably for the last 16 years, initially a part-time capacity with the Scottish Institute of Sport and into a full-time role with them. And then I had a, a spell with the English Institute, working primarily with GB Judo, and then had kind of smaller, shorter-term kind of roles with um, with hockey. Um, actually trained as a physio, so I, I worked as a physio just for a year before I got into strength and conditioning, but the, the, the transition came fairly easily for me because it was as a choice of keep the physio route or take the opportunity to get into SNC when I could and I thought if I was a physio for 10 years and that opportunity came up back then with the Scottish Institute I'd have probably kind of jumped at it so I thought uh, go for it then and so so yeah I mean it's kind of luckily to get involved really with SNC probably when it was almost in its infancy as a career and 
you know feel for for guys there now who are studying and, and looking at it because it's a it's a challenging profession to, to get involved in full time so pretty fortunate and you know great to be working in professional rugby now which is which for an SNC coach for me is a real uh, real great opportunity to to use your skills and it's just a sport that it needs SNC really to for players to to thrive. Mm-hmm. So you're a bit of a SNC family going on at the minute as well with your brother. Yeah, well, Tommy, my brother, he's he's currently uh, performance director for British Weightlifting, so he's not directly involved working full time in SNC now. Um, but yeah, no, he he was with the English Institute, and I think obviously our background, we're both involved in Olympic lifting, and I think just that is a as a as a platform really from from which we've built and you know my physiotherapy as well it's i think that's that's kind of allowed us to really probably initially to get involved in snc um and yeah it's good to have someone in the family who can share ideas and and challenge each other on things so do you, do you still compete Stu? no i i uh, stopped in 2002 i had a injury on my elbow so I I still train and kind of took up a bit of under 90 strongman which which kept me sane um need something to train for so that that gave me a good challenge of just keeping my body weight in check and doing some strength training and also kind of staying relatively fit with a bit of conditioning side of things so so that's that's kept me entertained for the last few years mm-hmm. so how was your how was your background in coming through obviously the physio route then transferred and helped you in the in the SNC world. I think it, for me, it's really within SNC. It's it's obviously about a preparation of a physical preparation of a player, and and we work multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary as well. And and having the, the physiotherapy training is excellent for the anatomy side of things. Um, and also, even looking at the coaching side, a lot of SNC will be sports science based. Um, technical model based and whereas in physiotherapy it's, it's obviously very clinical and, and having to communicate and say work interdisciplinary and I think that training helped really raise my awareness of how important it is to work as part of, of teams and work with you know in a, in a physio setting it's obviously more um, people rehabilitating but, but the communication part is is vital and also a big part of the physio training is just being able to reflect and having a reflective practice on what you're doing and in order that you can improve and and that is through your part of your degree you you, you learn about that and you as part of your your assignments post clinical practices to post clinical placements to be able to effectively re- reflect on it in order to improve and, and these are things sometimes which aren't covered in sports science so I think that's helped me now in terms of where my mindset is at around improving myself and thinking about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how can I improve, you know, what I do and keep keep trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. And how was your, how's the, just going on to your background a little bit more, how's the, how's your experience as a kind of trained competing Olympic lifter kind of influence your practice moving into the rugby S&C? Is it still something that's kind of heavily, heavily, um, your programs heavily revolved around Olympic lifting? Um, not really, and, and you know, I think, I think my 
being an Olympic lifter hasn't necessarily made me bias Olympic lifts within my program. I mean, ultimately, our role is to improve the performance on the pitch. So we've got a process that we're involved in to, to ensure that happens or, or to try and increase the potential for that happening. Now, my sport is Olympic lifting, probably initially just to raise my awareness around what's important for the sport. So in Olympic lifting, it's obviously about the snatch and clean and jerk. There, that's the outcome. That's what you train for. That's what you win medals for. So it's not about what you back squat or about what you military press or what or about how much of the, what load you have on your assistance sex. Now they're very important as part of that process to improve the snatch and clincher. So you need to be very strong and you need to have a big back squat. But come competition day, if someone can back squat 220 and you can back squat 210, it doesn't make any difference if they can snatch and clean and jerk 10 kilos more than you. So I think coming from Olympic lifting and having that real awareness of what's important to make you better has helped form my own principles and philosophies around what's important, why it's important, when things are important within a programme to improve the physical performance of an athlete in their chosen sport and in their their chosen arena. So, so I, with the, with having an Olympic lifting background, obviously I have a, an in depth knowledge as well of the of the technical components. So therefore, it's allowed me to decide when it's appropriate to program it, how long I spend coaching an athlete on it, what components of the lift I emphasise with an athlete. So I think it's given me that background but it certainly doesn't mean that because i've done it i therefore program for it because i'm not programming for olympic weightlifters so um so it certainly it certainly helped me in terms of where i'm at mm-hmm. so for if you were kind of giving advice to a younger coach would you would it be something that you would um kind of advise that they kind of spend some time on themselves to learn the olympic lifts and then obviously not biased towards it in, in terms of having to include it in their program, but make sure it's a, a kind of a, another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, I would, well, I would encourage it if it's something that they, they thought that was going to be important within their program. So the more, the more knowledge they can have, the more expertise you can have in something, you can make the decision, a more effective decision on whether it can fit into the program or not. And, the particular athlete it can fit um, and I think it's important if you're going to dismiss it and say it doesn't work as, as a whole then it's important to be able to understand why so therefore is, is as you know depending on the sport you're working with but if it contains explosive strength qualities then I think it's important that that to to be an expert in developing explosive strength qualities I think it's important that you, you've got the ability to be able to understand fully every single lift, every single movement potentially that, that can have an impact on that, from which, as I say, you can decide whether it's appropriate at that point in time for the athlete to, to be programming it. Mm-hmm. So just to, just to move on a little bit and kind of tie it in with, with that, what you just said is when we were kind of bouncing a few emails back and forth, you, you mentioned about sometimes as an SNC coach, it's it's sometimes about what you don't do or what you don't include um, with regards to your training and testing. Do you just want to kind of give us a little bit of a, a expansion on that and, and what you meant when you fired that email over? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost again your typical um, almost S and C periodization that you'll have your strength endurance phase, your strength phase, your power phase, and everything will be programmed. Now, this is good S and C coach, and a lot of people are, are being more aware of this. But where, where your power stimulus is coming from, where your strength stimulus potentially is coming from, doesn't always necessarily need to come from the S and C coach, depending again on the sport. So, um, for obviously a, a jumper they've they've got a massive volume of specific jump work they'll do for, for a sprinter there's a specific amount of speed and power work they do through their sport for a rugby player a prop is scrummaging which is a strength stimulus for um you know within our other positions our our outside backs will be doing some fairly high intense speed work within certain drills within rugby so so therefore we've got to understand the sport, the demands of the sport to ensure that we're almost programming what we want to develop within the goals and aims of the athlete and the sport at the right time. So it might so it might be during that particular f- period that we wanted to produce peak power or maximum speed or maximum strength in their sport that we're not doing we're not delivering that at that point in time. It's the preparation block for you know for example my pre-season we'll be doing explosive strength work in pre-season it's not let's do it just you know that block leading into the season it'll be right at the start because we need to prepare those underlying explosive strength qualities so that when we go into season they can realize that through rugby through you know with the coaches that they're the, the sessions and drills they're, they're delivering now i'm in a fortunate situation where we've got very good coaches so they the, the level of coaching, the intensity, appropriate intensity of training is delivered through those sessions. And and I think this is a challenge sometimes of S&C coaches. They're working in isolation perhaps a lot of the time, so they're they're delivering the periodized, their periodized plan, not in tune with with the actual sports program. So it's so just because we're working on explosive strength or power or max strength whatever it is it doesn't mean that we deliver at that point in time when we want them to realize it it could it could have a massive delay in that time for it to transfer now these are still massive you know in very many areas unknown qualities very individually dependent on their training history on you know the other demands that they have within their training program but it's the aim all the time is is to ensure that they realise whatever physical quality it is in their sporting environment. And so, for me, if they're if they're back squatting, maybe they're capable of a, a two hundred back squat, for example. It doesn't mean they're squatting that for me to know that they're strong when it comes to a game. So they could be squatting one one forty or one fifty, and you know they're but they're doing a lot of scrummaging and. They're transferring those through high power, high force within a contact situation. So it's, it's for me, it's very much marrying it up with with the sport and really identifying what those demands are and if they're achieving those appropriate stimuluses, how we then put that together. So we're not basically doubling the stimulus if we don't need to, and which which could be too much for them at that point in time. So, so how are you kind of? marrying the two up so for instance how do you know that he's getting what we're an equivalent of a squat session in the gym how how are you equating that to what's happening on the field 
So you don't know that he's getting a little bit too much or he's actually getting a little bit less. So you do you need to top that up? How are you kind of marrying the two? Okay, I mean, it's, I think with the whole essence of what we're trying to achieve as strength and conditioning coaches is, is for the player or the athlete to be realising their physical potential through their sport and within their sporting performance. So, so the important thing is, is understanding what those demands are of their sports and understanding you know, whether they're progressing in their sports appropriately um, and then how we then supporting that. So it's, it's not so much we're replacing a strength session with a, a field-based session. It's, it's the planning. It's, it's understanding the, the sequence in which we need to deliver um, a program to increase the physical potential through which the sport itself and good practice in the sport will allow the, the athlete to realize that physical potential, whether it's strength, speed, power qualities. And the lucky thing where I am is that we've got good coaches and there'll be lots of good coaches that SNC coaches are working with who will coach the movements well. They'll, they'll, they'll have a technical mastery within their sports, which is important to develop to allow these physical qualities to develop. So the, I think sometimes the mistake in, in that's maybe been made is a periodization will be done, which is maybe going into a power phase or which the, and into a peaking phase perhaps where the S&C coach is trying to peak their power qualities in the gym at the same time that they're trying to realize their their peak power movements within the specifics of the sport. Now, it's important, there's, there's time for, for physical qualities to transfer and it's important that the, the, the sequence in the training is arranged that, that allows for that, that transfer to happen. And so for me... I'm doing a lot of my explosive strength work, um, you know, a lot earlier, you know, a couple of months out from where we want to them to actually realize their, their specific explosive strength qualities on the rugby field. So through pre-season, we'll be working on explosive strength rather than it just being maybe the, the couple of weeks leading into season or, or just a couple of weeks leading into, you know, key games towards the end of the season. So, so how do you how do you go about... Um, assessing whether that transfer has been made onto the pitch from the gym? It's a difficult one. I think, um, you know, obviously rugby is a sport where there's outcomes, there's there's a lot of analysis. Um, I'd say I, I don't know the exact answer. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's working with the coaches, it's, it's working with the players, it's, it's really kind of getting to grips with, with what what they're trying to achieve and, and, and really it's a day-to-day process of communication and with the coaches and with the players to, to ensure that they they are appropriately adapting their they're recovering at the right points and you know those 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 rugby performance goals are being met so it's an ongoing monitoring it's an ongoing communication it's it's an ongoing reviewing of programs as to did we get them strong strong at the right time um are they performing appropriately at the right times? And, are, and fundamentally, for me, in terms of the strength and conditioning programs, it's a, it is that continual improvement. It's a, it's not a, just a two four week blocks. It's a, it's a season on season development as well. You know, we could have a whole year of just basic strength development for a young player. You know, we're not necessarily going to see the immediate transfer of that. Uh, it's two three year down the line that. that that, that physical quality and that capacity has been developed and which allows them to, to realise more of their potential on the rugby pitch. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we talk, uh, kind of as coaches, we talk a lot about understanding 
the coach and how their kind of, their thought processes work. Is there much that goes on? I mean, I think it's probably easy for us to say, but is it is there much of the that goes on the flip side? So the coach kind of understanding what's going on in the gym and the kind of demands that are placed there, or is it a bit of a uh, you know tit for tat kind of scenario? It's definitely both. Yeah. Fundamentally, we're there to develop their characteristics to get better at the sport. So it's for us to understand the, the philosophy of the coach, the, the the goal of how the coach is wanting each player to play and the, the philosophy of the team. So we, we support that process. But likewise, the coach will will understand the demands that are placed on them in the gym If we and, and understand that perhaps at certain points for particular players, we will have to prioritise peers. So... You know, if they are trying to get stronger or, or gain some muscle mass, that you know, doing too much running and aerobic work will will, will impede that development. So, that, and the coaches that we have are, are very aware of that. So, there's it's and that then will that appropriate plan we put in place for that player. So, I think it's definitely important for both coaches need to understand it, so the principles of training and understand. At, at basic level of, of how to develop a player and then use the expertise around them to, to ensure that the right program gets in place. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that you've mentioned so far, obviously that I've kinda, I've kind of led is um, Olympic lifting, um, squatting, you oh. know, t- t- stuff that we'd consider kind of the basics. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot on, on social media uh, kind of, uh, many proponents of sticking to the basics, but what does what does sticking to the basics uh, mean to you as a coach? Sticking to the basics for me is is putting something in place, a training program in place, and a coaching in place, which enables someone to progress towards the goal that you've that, that's been desired. So, for example, if it gets stronger, there's certain you have to load the individual through certain you know, full body movements such squat, deadlift and, and lift heavy weights basically relative to that individual where they're, where they're at at that point in time. And if someone wants to run, do, you know, improve their speed, they have to do some speed work. So it's, 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 it's not fluffing around um, a program by adding in some low level exercises if the aim is to get strong. The... The other forms of the basics are just a, it's a daily routine of of practice to to improve. So you know nutrition, having appropriate nutrition, having sticking to the basics around recovery. It's not necessarily the the modality that's been used to to potentially facilitate recovery, but having appropriate sleep, having the appropriate training design that allows recovery days, heavy days, lighter days. Um, so it's, it's sticking to the basics around the planning, the programming, the coaching also sticking to the basics around what you can coach as a as an snc coach or if you don't have an expertise in a particular area you're, you're seeking to improve that so if it's if it was felt that explosive strength was an issue and, and, and an olympic lift was going to help but you're not quite sure how to, to use an olympic lift there may be other modalities that can be used or it's seeking further advice as to an more expertise coaching to to help that athlete so it's it's really directing every effort towards achieving that goal and doing things which are pretty much been done for years in, you know, sports performance. And it's, you know, we could add in various other auxiliary type work to support the process to increase work capacity. But 
it goes back to just the fundamental basics of getting strong, um, you know, improving speed, improving improving power, and, and doing it with with some basic barbell and land-based exercises. I think the other part around just keeping to the basics is what we can affect as S&C coaches. And it's very much my philosophy within season is to keep strong. You know, if we can keep strong, there's, there's so many other variables that are within the training program, specifics around the sport that, you know, don't have to try and mimic the sport that's been done every day. And in many ways, sometimes that's done at dilutes just the actual specific activity they do in, the, in their own sport. So I just... It's, we can keep them strong. It gives them a capacity to to perform their sport and also an ability to certainly in rugby to to recover um, from the from the relative demands of the game. I'm I'm going to put you on the spot, SG, But would you mind giving us a bit of an example of of a session that kind of echoes that that principle and maybe um, just describe where that session fits in the week? Um, yeah. Would that about well, be all right? That's fine. I mean, in one way, I'll probably just describe, I can describe the session, but firstly, you know, for example, a squat plays a, a major role in my programming as a basic lower body strength exercise. So I'll pretty much a player who squats, as in some players might not squat based on some restrictions, but most, most will squat and they squat every week. Now, there's variation in intensity in you know, volume, so, but the, the fundamental bit is it's there every week. And so, and it, it, this this won't be any different in terms of the week if we describe the program to, to a lot of rugby teams. We'll have, you know, one main session of the week, which will be their main strength development session, which will include a squad, it will include something around their hip, like an RDL or good morning. And this is, again, it'll be slightly different positionally. Um, our backs will do more speed work. A more plyometric activity, but there'll be a, a squad of some sort or variation. There'll be something around the hip, um, and there'll be a, a heavier overhead exercise, explosive overhead, so a push press. If someone's competent, it'll be a jerk, and then there'll be some assistance work around the shoulder and, and neck and trunk. Um, that might be one session. The other session will be more of an upper body strength. So I, I use the bench press, and rationale being is with all the other stresses that are involved in, in rugby, it's, you lie down. So straight away, you're reducing some sort of relative load. So, but it's still a, a, an upper body strength exercise. Um, so that will be in there. And then there'll be some other more pulling base, so bend over row, weighted chin. But again, if we're looking at getting strong, there'll be rep range between three and six reps. You know, sometimes we'll go up to doubles and singles. Um, and there single arm road, you know, various other pulling exercises, but they'll be within the program. And then we'll have a, a more of a, a power session later on in the week, which for some people will involve their cleans, other people who aren't that competent, and we've deemed that it's not necessarily appropriate to spend the time learning it. They'll be doing more um, weighted plyometrics or medicine ball throws. Um, so there's... There's basic strength exercise in there. There's basic power exercise, but they say there's that manipulation through the year and around you know, almost a, a three blocks of work. So you know, almost a, a twelve-week cycle, which say slightly manipulated depending on fixtures, but twelve-week cycle, and then that will be repeated through the season. 
um, with say with manipulations at key points when when we're looking at some sort of taper or some sort of realization onto onto the pitch by reducing the the volume in the gym. Is there is there any specific um, profile that you do to kind of delve a little bit deeper in exactly what individuals or groups of individuals um, need? We 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 do some isometric pulling uh, start of the year. Based on our what we use, we just look at a peak force. Though we do counter movement jump, um, we we look at speeds over ten. But I'd say you know we do all this. But I'd say fundamentally, we we know the athletes in a way. So it's not it's not a sophisticated strength diagnostics where you know we need to look, work more on the velocity end of a force velocity curve. It's because the position itself, and then as I said, described before in terms of the training, like the rope. The rugby training bit becomes much more of the the specific, even specific physical preparation. Our outside backs are doing more a lot more plyometric based jumping for high balls, or um, our lineout jumpers are lifting. Our lineout lineout guys are jumping and lifting. Our props are doing specific scrum work. So that's where the real specificity around their technical training comes. But through that, there, there's there's listing a, a physical development as well. Um, so that, that so very much. The SNC program is that foundation, and, and ensuring they've got the capacity to do those. So there's there's a there is a manipulation around. You know, as I said, the backs will do more of a more high speed and more plyometric activity, um, and our tight forwards will do much more max strength work. And then individually within that, there'll be cell manipulation. So we've got guys that maybe are. Are really strong, and they, they, you know, but they're lacking that that speed component. Then they'll do, you know, be they'll maybe do a complex, for example, or they'll 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 have a, a shorter speed session within the week somewhere. Um, but there's not, it's it's pretty much through coaching for me, and, and through through observing, and then there's still a a big coaching element. So it's not, you know, we've played around with. Um, Gym aware as part of you know increasing intent, looking at bar velocity, but probably because of the nature of where we are with the number of players we have, and I, I found I just started looking at the screen and stopped looking at the player squatting, and 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 we still have that real quality of movement within the technique. So if someone's squatting, it's, it's how they're squatting, how they're moving, how they're they're coordinating around their their knee and hip on you know on the, on the concentric phase so and we still really emphasize that real quality of movement with in addition to progressing load as well and and so yeah we're not um, I wouldn't say we're at a point where we're that sophisticated around the diagnostic of it mm-hmm. so uh, don't take this the wrong way um, I'm hoping it come, kind of comes across but properly um, I'm not gonna suggest that you're kind of singing and dancing but how do you keep your guys interested um is it is it like a, an education thing is it kind of a culture thing um and this may probably apply to the coaches uh, as well as yourself and the, the kind of on-field um snc guys uh, but how, how are keeping your guys um interested in what they're doing i think first and foremost it is definitely a, a cultural part of of the evolution of of our club and um, what what everyone is striving to do, everyone's on the same page in terms of what what we're trying to do in terms of you know 
we won our league last year and you know there's there's a real standard around expectations of of work ethic of hard work and that is almost the, the fundamental bit to which you know even if we've got squat every week everyone you know and it could be over squatting again you know not you know but there's not that mentality it's there's, there's competition there's there's you know players will ring the bell they get a pb just little things which aren't anything revolutionary but there's a players working with each other because we've got 54 players in our squad there's a big emphasis on players leading players working with each other and this isn't um, this will be quite common across a lot of good rugby teams so so that and it's it's where things play so for example my feeling has been that you know not so much recently but when I first started out at SNC SNC led performance program is in we periodize it from a physiological perspective and you know this is a periodization and it kind of lost focus a little bit what sport was about and you know I used to work for British judo and people say oh the Japanese don't do any weights and yet they do they just go in the gym they don't cause a fuss about it they, they do their basic strength training and they get on the mat and they, they become masters of their sport um, by real accurate technical execution and and a real intent to improve, and and I say, the model I'm working in now in the is that we're a rugby team. So let's 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 get some excellent rugby athletes who have got skill sets who can make decisions, who who've got that real drive every day to improve on the rugby pitch. As a consequence, that means that you have to work hard at everything you do and all the, the sums of the part to get there, and of which one part is the S and C. So from that perspective. You know, I don't feel I have to work hard at, at motivating the players or, or meaning that we've got that kind of stale environment where we're just in the gym and going through the motions. And today's an example, you know, I walked in the gym, I had a meeting and so I was, I was slightly late, but I go in and all the players are getting on with their work and working hard and working with each other. And we've got quite a small gym, so guys have to work well together to get on with their session. And it's, you know, you become... In a way, it's kind of a little bit of an aim. You're not, you don't have to be there telling everyone what to do all the time. You know, again, right at the start, everyone be sitting down waiting or looking at the program for ages, thinking, asking every week what that exercise is. <laughs> Good routine. Everyone knows who comes into the club how important it is to be physically well prepared. Um, everyone puts an emphasis on improvement and learning, and that means everything. It's it's obviously from a rugby perspective, but it's also from a, a physical perspective. There's individuals and peers that that will drive that within the group, and then as a consequence, you know, I'm continually motivated to to strive to improve, to strive to learn how to organise my training more appropriately, um, how to work better with individuals, um, and then likewise, you know, other members of staff and management are, are driven in that way as well. So it's. You know, it sounds all very nice, and this, but we still can improve. But I would say I'm in a, I'm thoroughly enjoying my job, and 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 excited in terms of the opportunity to to actually do it well because I've not there's not really barriers of you know some athletes aren't into into training other than doing their sport, and I, I don't feel I've got that as a I'm fortunate enough not to have that as a chance to try and overcome, and and I think that's been down to this culture that's been created. Mm-hmm. So I was I was speaking to a friend of mine um, who will remain anonymous, who came across um, Glasgow pre 
you've been in post and, and obviously while you were in post uh, and said there was clearly a big change um, from, from when you came in. What was the biggest change that you made um, to, to the program when you, uh, when you took the job at Glasgow? It's interesting. I mean, say the, it's, it's not it's the change on the whole as a club is I've been part of a, a whole stream of individuals that have been driven to, to move forward and, and certainly not at the forefront. We've got our head coach who, who drives that and we've got kind of key players, leaders in the group. But in terms of, the, you know, the one area I feel that I've looked at and tried to, to drive is that is that is that um, almost a training intelligence, how, um, where, you know, I'm not satisfied if someone just gets a great back score and proves their PBs in the gym. I mean, it's, that's nice, but I want them to be performing where they need to be performing. So, so I think I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not impressed easily by someone that just gets a, a 200 back squat. You know, great, well done. You've you've broken a PB, excellent, and it's, there's reward for effort and everything that goes into it. But when I first started, I remember, you know, there was maybe one guy squatting 200 and it was grind out of it and it wasn't particularly a nice-looking lift. But now that's kind of a norm, certainly positionally. In our, even our backs, you know, we've got quite a few backs, you know, goose squatting over 200 kilos. So so I think there's a, an expectation that's maybe been put in place that, what is actually quite strong um, and also the way that players behave when they're training there's there's much more of a, a supporting each other um, spotting for each other helping coach each other in an environment which they they look to to push each other so and that's where as I said before rather than me being the S&C coach being the one that gets people training and you know I feel now you know I'm not you know I like to kind of stay in the background a bit I don't feel I have to be at the forefront um but I'd say I've been part of more of a a club as a whole that's had a drive that wasn't you know it was in terms of a, a turnaround there was you know it's been a, a player group that's been there for quite a few years there's coaches that are, are driving these things and you know I'm say obviously kind of part of the, the management team you know I'm just one part of that but um, it's it, it, really for me it's been a certainly just from the, the S&C side it's been players really taking responsibility for their for their development and I'm there to facilitate that mm-hmm. So just to kind of change tact a little bit um, and it's something that I say I um, haven't really discussed it much with, with people um, maybe because the nature of people's jobs been um, S&C coaches or sports scientists, but uh, nutrition, uh, how does, what impact do you have upon the nutrition and what's your kind of philosophy when it comes to um, the nutritional side of things? We're fortunate enough with, within the, the Glasgow that we're, we've got support from Scottish Rugby and we've got Richard Chesser who's the Scottish Rugby nutritionist, so fortunate enough that he almost oversees the, the nutritional strategies and, and we'll, we'll have those those things in place. Um, but the fundamental to that, which is driven through us and through just, again, the cultural part is is just good quality food and nutrition. So we, and, I th- and I think we've got a core of a player group who, who understand that and who drive that themselves and, and enjoy cooking and enjoy that side of it. And I think, you know, you probably go through 
most professional rugby teams now, there's a there's a really good um, understanding around the importance of, of good quality food and nutrition. And so that's really the the spine of what we try and do. And it is fundamental, you know, we, we it's, have the same training programs, but yet someone's eating the right things at the right time um, and someone adapts and someone doesn't really adapt optimally. So, so I, you know, we are the, we are the day-to-day at the club with working with the players and, and skin folding them and, and looking at that side. And, but then there's the strategy around it. So there'll be individual work with people. Um, we, we, um, when I first started, we you know, talked about, you know, a lot of clubs will have fat camp, fat clubs. And I just felt, you know, why, why have we got fat clubs? You know, British cycling, I'm sure doesn't British rowing mm-hmm. doesn't, um, I don't know if they do, but you know, I just I'm assuming they don't. Um, and why why is it we need to? So I felt right. We don't need this. It's about performance, and it's about eating appropriately to fuel you to perform. But I think just the nature of team sports players, you know, you, they take up rugby because they enjoy a, a team sport, and and it's a different. It is a different mindset to an individual athlete. Um, but I felt that needed to change, and then we introduced. Um, what was called the agogi from the Spartans. It was where young Spartans learned to train to become uh, you know, a full, fully blown Spartan. So and it was about learning, and it was it was not necessarily a, a punishment. So that would became the fat club almost was the agogi. So your your fat your 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 body composition and body fat's too high for a reason, and it could be learning, could be understanding. You might not be able to cook. You might not understand. You consume too much sugar at the wrong time. That that what effect that has on your insulin level. So, um, so that became a player presentation in preseason. Once just about getting in early and doing loads of CV. It was, became a, like understand what you're putting in the body and the consequences it's going to have on your performance and on on your your adaptation. And so that's almost is part of that nutrition side is. And it, we're still definitely not there, but it's it's players having that understanding of why it's important to eat well at the right times. Um, I remember there was a Russian who did a seminar with um, Mikhail Kuklaev, who I'm sure a lot of people have seen on YouTube doing phenomenal feats of strength. And he was asked about um, what he eats, and it goes back to the basics question earlier. And, and he just said, um, well, I... Have breakfast is carbohydrate and protein. Lunch is carbohydrate and protein. The dinner is carbohydrate, carbohydrates and protein. And it's you know it isn't rocket science, but there's still the big challenge because I don't think people pay as, as much attention as they should um, in terms of the preparation, the planning that goes behind it. You know everyone's got busy lives and certainly full time rugby players. So getting home that they've got the inappropriate fueling strategy when they go oh, I eat a meal that they may be prepared earlier or, or they, they know what they're going to have um, so it's, I think it's something that we're, we're continuing to work on um, but it is a fundamental core part of, of of what we try and push Well I really appreciate your uh, your insights Stu but I'm just conscious of of taking up um, two of your nights not just one um, but are you um, are you getting out and about uh, this, this summer to any um, any conferences, any events? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'd, I will hopefully be at the UKCA just 
pending. Um, say we are pre-seasons a little bit different. We we start quite early and then give the guys a break in the summer. Um, so I, we move, So I'm not I'm not sure yet. Possibly something in in June. Um, it's not been announced yet. So okay. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, that there would be that. But you know, I, I tend to get on the road through the season a little bit and days off and go and visit people and see people, other kind of rugby guys, meet up for a coffee and and do kind of a bit of learning and stuff throughout the year. So it's we'll see what happens in the summer. I've not committed to anything yet. Okay, cool. Um, and where can people keep in touch with um, what you got going on? Are you active on Twitter or Facebook or neither? Yeah, I'm on. On Twitter, I use it a lot just for my own learning and yeah. the occasional thing of the good stuff that's out there. But I'm on I'm on Twitter and I think it's Stuart M. Yule. Cool. Well, like I said, I'm just um, I'm conscious of ruining both your nights, so I'll uh, I'll wrap it up and just say thanks a lot for your for your insights and um, giving us a, a bit of a tour around um, around what you're doing in Glasgow. No problem at all, Rob. Good to chat to you. Pleasure, mate. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll keep in touch, and I'll speak soon. Great. See you, mate. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to episode eighty-one of the Pasty Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Stu. Just before I let you go, just want to say a massive thanks to the sponsor today of the podcast, which is Val Performance, makers of the Nordboard. So, as I said in the intro, if anyone's got any ideas for future guests, please find them away. Uh, direct message on Twitter or email or any other way, text, whatever it may be. Um, I always appreciate people putting other people forward for the podcast. Um, so, again, thanks for tuning in, and I'll speak to you soon.